Right now in 2022, I'm not purchasing anything less than 10 units. So we are getting into some, you know, it's not quite, I haven't quite put it out there yet, but we're getting into some creative type um, conversion projects that are, you know, um, inventory is difficult to find. Competition is at its peak. I'm not into overpaying for a property. I mean, my fundamentals haven't changed. If the numbers don't work for me, I ain't bringing anybody on board because it's not something that I would buy. So our last purchase was a 25 unit in Red Deer, Alberta. I do have another uh, project out in Red Deer that we're just finalizing some some numbers on. Um, so that's a great market for us right now. I think we bought it at four and it's already been appraised at 4.8 six months later. So I mean, lots of lift going on um, in that province. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, we have such a great treat for you today. We're excited to have the one and only JV Queen, Mandy Branham, on our show today. And Mandy is well known in the real estate community for the large number of deals she does using the joint venture or JV strategy, which has allowed her to build a portfolio of over 300 units and counting. Mandy operates her business with so much authenticity, transparency, and just so much integrity that she has been able to work with over 50 joint venture partners across several hundred properties. Honestly, that is remarkable. If you are unsure how you will fund your next deal or how joint ventures work, I definitely think this is the episode for you. And best of all, Mandy always has a smile on her face. She doesn't take life too seriously and she's just an all-around amazing person. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to Mandy Branham. Hey, Mandy. Love to have you on the show today and uh, wanted to get right into it. What got you started in the real estate um, investment space? And, and, you know, perhaps tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you guys, uh, I just love the idea of this uh, awesome podcast. Such a great platform to be able to share these kind of stories with people. So what's my story? You know what? I'm a pretty normal person, married. I had two kids, worked in a dental office part-time, stayed home with my stayed home with my kids while Larry was out being the breadwinner. And we kind of hit 2007. We had, we bought our first duplex in 2007. And then the automotive industry took a dive. And that was the industry that Larry was in. So we kind of buckled up and realized that we needed to be able to get our own selves, our own efforts 
to the other side to make sure that we still had our head above water. And we refinanced that original duplex from 2007 in 2014. And I was looking at a check for $35,000. And I said, wow, you know, we refinanced this asset. We've had it for seven years. This is great, but it's not going to be enough to put both my kids through school to supplement mine and Larry's retirement. We obviously need to do more. And we were the kind of people, same as you guys, right? That we wanted an industry that gave us the direct results of our efforts, We put in hard effort. The results were directly related to how hard we worked. If we were slackers, we'd have slack results. And so we turned to real estate. In 2014, we joined a coaching group, spent more money on our own personal education. And and that's kind of really where my true investing journey took off. We bought a few properties, attracted our first joint venture partners, um, I left my my employment in 2016. Um, that was a super scary time going like, what am I doing here? And then Larry stepped away from his job in early 2018 to be able to create a construction company to, you know, facilitate all the work on our on our portfolio. And I guess here's the rest history. But, you know, there's not a day that goes by. There's probably not an argument about a property, about an issue. I mean, it's it's all consuming, but but yet, so is life. And so we've just kind of chosen our path and and here we are now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's so funny to hear about the arguing and the, the constant because, yeah, we, we you know, the, the couples who invest together, right? But, um, you know, couples who invest together kind of stay together, right? It's it's the ups and downs, but, you know, it's, it's, it's so passion driven too, right? Yeah, I think you have you have boundaries and you still have I think it's really important. I actually talk a lot about masculine feminine energy and you know as much as women in this industry need to be strong and you know stand on their own and you know potentially a male dominated industry there's these amazing men beside us that are like yeah my wife over there she's like killing it right but yet without demasculinating anybody so when we stepped Larry away from his job we put him into he started a construction company. He's his own boss. I'm my own boss. Like it's really um, being respectful of each other, knowing when somebody is like, like no more business talk. We need a weekend away with no business talk or, you know, whatever that kind of can look like when you can. I know. And that's something we struggle with as well, because you know, <laughs> sometimes we often late at night are still talking about business because we have some issues to be dealt with. <laughs> so, you know, what do you guys do in terms of separating business versus personal? Um, You know what? I think it's also really cool just to acknowledge that if you want the best of me, Mandy, you're going to talk about real estate. Like if you, if you're like, oh, let's, you know, talk about, I, I don't look at me. I'm like, I don't even have other co- topics in my head. But if you're <laughs> like, um, oh, do you want to go on a yoga retreat? I'd be like, no, I don't. I don't like, it doesn't even enter into my mind as something that I would plan. So, I mean, acknowledging that I value my top values, family, my business, which is real estate and like wealth building. And outside of there, you kind of get the less, the less best version of Mandy. And same with Larry, like he's like family stocks, 
and then our biz and then his business kind of thing. So, I mean, to say that we're having low level conversations about, you know, I don't know, the education system or something, you're really not, we're not, you're not getting the best version of who we are. So to tell you the truth, I think talking about our business is just happens. It's the, it's the stressful stuff that you're like, no, I can't, I can't discuss the budget for that property anymore. No, I can't discuss like, it just, it's like hard boundaries as to sometimes what the conversation is, you know, just those kind of things. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I think that that's exactly it, right? Exactly what you said. Hard boundaries about what the conversation is and how that conversation makes you feel because right away, you know, whether it's, elevating you or, or bringing you down, right? Is it something, is it a new project we're excited about? Or are we talking about a budget that's gone over? And, (laughs) and they're two very different conversations and they make you feel very differently, right? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Like, oh, we're so excited. Let's go and drive by the land that we own and this vision and, and you get all happy or you, yeah. Or you go to the project that you just like, just finish it because I can't handle, I'm never going to step another foot in that property ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so Mandy, um, you are, known as the JV queen, which is amazing. Um, And that sort of is your specialty, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe uh, your first joint venture, how you decided you were going to be um, heavily focused on joint ventures and, and maybe just walk us through, you know, how that has changed your investing journey? Oh my gosh, I love it. So I remember hearing the term joint venture being like, hmm, not really putting this together. I don't understand why somebody would just give you money. Like they would just do it. So if they had the money, why wouldn't they do it? And I can tell you exactly where I was in my room, uh, on this chair in my room when this gentleman is like, so I work with a teacher and she had capital, but she had no idea. And so we partnered as a joint venture and I'm like, and so it was like a real life example that I could see. And he walked me through and, and he'd sold that ass. It and you know, we paid her all the money back, and and then you know, she had this profit and how happy she was. And I was like, okay. Then I met a, my mentor, Andrew Brennan, who was buying joint venture assets, and he was just like, you really have to, you know, attract capital because you're finding these great deals, and soon enough, you're not going to be able to buy them yourself, right? You're going to have more deals than you have capital to be able to do it. So I attracted a couple joint ventures who were wanted to be working partners alongside of me. And so I had a mantra prior to this that I attract millions in joint venture capital. And then I attracted these active joint venture partners. And I was like, wait a minute here, I need to add a word into my affirmation. And so my affirmation became, I attract millions in passive joint venture capital. And that's when I attracted my first um, partner. She's, um, you know, a, a, a young professional, rather young professional from the city. She had some money inherited from her parents. Um, and she was like, I have too much money and I don't have any more time. I, I love my occupation. And so she partnered with me on a triplex here in town. And she qualified for the mortgage. Her name was on title and she brought all of the capital. 
And it was an amazing deal. Like the asset was great. I negotiated it well. We'd raised the rents. We did some minor renovations to, you know, increase the value of the asset. I oversaw everything to do with the tenant. She never stepped foot in the town, let alone into the building. And three years later, we sold it and we each made $75,000. She loved her condos in Toronto. So she was kind of done with the asset class, which was fine. So I sold it actually to another joint venture. So I started to realize that it was that people wanted real estate, but they didn't want all of the hassles that went along with it. Or, and it's hard to find the right asset, spend the time. You know, I, I have partners that said like, that's it, Mandy, we're, you know, give us the next deal you've got. And I said, well, I'm kind of chuckling going, why? And they said, we've spent the last six weeks um, every weekend, carting our kids around to viewings of crap, triplexes, duplexes. We're missing out. We can't get in. We're scared. And so they literally were, they knew they wanted real estate as a vehicle to diversify their investment portfolio. So that was a non-negotiable, but they also realized they didn't want it to impact their lifestyle. The, you know, my joint venture partners are, are professionals. And so that's where the, you know, the perfect combination kind of comes in. I've got this great system now that I find and negotiate. I got bookkeeping, property management, the asset management, you know, making sure that we've got the right mortgage product to be able to do the, the type of strategy that we have for the asset. And, um, and they just kind of come in and click it together. And away we go. I didn't, I can't say that this was going to be my vision of every type of asset that I have, but I have changed people's financial futures. I have had three JV partners have cancer scares and um, I get emotional because they called and they said, you know, like this is going on in case that you need us. But the last thing that we are even concerned about is our assets because we know that you have all of that figured out. I've had joint venture partners that have lost children and like they, there's not even a, a bone in their body that is concerned about them having to look after assets because they know that that's my role. So it's like this way to be connected to an asset with an equity position, getting the lift in the market, <laughs> working with somebody who loves this kind of thing, does this with, you know, all parts of me is related to real estate. So they're getting phenomenal returns without the hands-on need. And, um, and that's what I classify as a win-win way to invest in real estate. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you made such great points there because in a way, you know, a lot of people are scared to get into real estate because they don't want to deal with tenants and toilets and, you know, property management and, finding properties, all everything that goes along with it, you know, uh, so this is a perfect fit that by partnering or doing a joint venture, you're able to get into the market and, you know, get the benefits of, of everything that goes along with the, the investment. So it's, um, and with know, minimal stress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we can even sit here and go everything that we do anyone can do, right? Like what's my, one of my favorite sayings is this isn't rocket science. And it's true. It's not rocket science, but there is a strategy around making it easier, right? 
go and qualify for five mortgages. Mm-hmm. You might be able to qualify for one, maybe two. You might stretch yourself to three. Um, but, you know, qualifying for that fourth, fifth, sixth mortgage, you either need to know what you're doing or you're faking it till you make it or you give up and you say, there's no way I can even qualify for anything else. Whereas you, you know, insert somebody such as myself that says, well, actually, tell me what you want, how much capital you got. Oh, you're looking for 10 properties over the next five years. Here's the order of operations that I feel that I've, you know, done the research on. You know, what kind of properties? Well, that's important too. Let's make sure we're buying the right kind of asset. So it's like, you know, a partner brings so much more than just um, than just the asset. And a partner is so much more than just 50% of the equity. You know, I always say to people like, you have to make 50% of the equity before I make equity. So, I mean, that's the whole point is I need to be able to ask myself, how do I get you the maximum amount of money? That means that I'm getting the maximum amount of money. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a phenomenal way for people who have been on the sidelines thinking to themselves they want to get in. And for all those reasons, this is what they want to typically, right? Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. They're like, why would I give away half of the equity? And my answer is because because you're doing nothing on your own, or maybe you're only going to do one on your own, or you have so much money that half of it sitting in a bank account and you honestly aren't even able to invest that much. So why don't you do a couple projects on your own, have fun with it, learn along the way, but the excess money, go and invest in joint ventures and wake up in five years and be like, holy crap, I actually did double what I would have done on my own um, by investing with partners. For sure. Mandy, maybe walk us through uh, what your process would be like? Let's say I'm, uh, I'm interested in jo- being a joint venture partner. Like, how do you qualify them? Is there a certain criteria that they have to meet? Things like that. Yeah. So I've I've evolved, and I think that's really important just to kind of you know be able to put out there. So who I was attracting when I started and who am I attracting now are slightly different, but I will you know describe that um, I look for people who are aware of real estate. So I don't take somebody who has no mortgage on their house and doesn't want any debt. I don't try and make that person into a believer of real estate. I say. I love your outlook, stay there. But, you know, so I look for somebody who wants real estate, is aware of real estate, understands borrowing and leveraging. So typically they're in some sort of networking event, you know, uh, a group, a coaching group that I'm part of. um, And I will, you know, start to talk to them at a level of awareness of real estate already. I look for somebody who can qualify for a mortgage. That's super important to us, right? You're going to buy a million dollar property. Well, you don't need to have a million dollars. You need to be able to qualify for an $800,000 mortgage and you need $200,000 capital. Um, That's probably a pretty big asset. Uh, you know, five, six hundred thousand was the the number that I, you know, is is common. It's probably more like six to eight hundred thousand dollars now for a single family that you're buying. So you need about a hundred to one hundred and fifty for a down payment. Probably another hundred to one hundred and fifty for renovations. 
So I'm looking for somebody between that has between two to three hundred thousand uh, dollars for approximate time of about a year for the renovations on that property to bring it to its highest and best use, whether that be the legalization of a basement suite or, you know, the update lipstick updates to a couple of the units within that within that property. And um, and then we do a refinance at the end to be able to return the capital first prior to any equity being split. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So tell us a little bit about what geographical areas you invest in. And is there a specific I know we you touched a little bit on um, highest and best use and duplex conversions. Um, What is it that you're working on right now, would you say? Right now in 2022, I'm not purchasing anything less than 10 units. So we are getting into some, you know, it's not quite, I haven't quite put it out there yet, but we're getting into some creative type um, conversion projects that are, you know, um, inventory is difficult to find. Competition is at its peak. I'm not into overpaying for a property. I mean, my fundamentals haven't changed. If the numbers don't work for me, I ain't bringing anybody on board because it's not something that I would buy. So our last purchase was a 25 unit in Red Deer, Alberta. I do have another uh, project out in Red Deer that we're just finalizing some some numbers on. Um, So that's a great market for us right now. I think we bought it at four and it's already been appraised at 4.8 six months later. So I mean, lots of lift going on um, in that province. Other than that, I mean, my last city was up in Sudbury, but I was doing small projects, two to four units. And, and you know, I, I spoke to a mentor and he said, you know, like, I'm so interested to know what you're buying in a seller's market. And then he sat there and I was like, oh, this is like a trap that he's like making me walk into. And I said, uh, well, I bought in Red Deer. And he's like, okay. And he kind of like unfolded his hands a little bit. And then I said, and and I haven't bought much lately. And he was like, good, because it's a seller's market. And I just found that really interesting listening to him and his sophistication level and realizing that, you know, sometimes it's not worth trying to fit a square in a round hole. If it's not the right time to buy, there's two options. You can stop buying or, or find a new place to buy. And that new place to buy can be the States. Uh, I know that that's an area that you guys have gone to and, um, you know, or other provinces or a different or a different property profile. So what works really well for me that I attract partners into is finding properties that are undervalued, that change and add value, that, you know, highest and best use. And, um, and that is getting into some, you know, development, some changes of usage, some rezonings, um, which is a a different timeline now of projects. But something that I've learned since 2020 is it's a really small little word, but it actually has changed the trajectory of my my investing. It's called patience. Look, I can't even say it. Patience. I didn't have patience before. I was like... (laughs) 
let's go, what's next, this is taking too long. And I'm breathing into the word patience. Jennifer Hunt has certainly, you know, allowed me to create that in my portfolio and in my being. But having patience doesn't mean that the deal's wrong, doesn't mean that it's not good, doesn't, you know, like all of these factors. Um, it just is breathing in a little bit of a time factor that I was in a rush to be able to do everything. And now I'm like, real estate's a long term, get rich really slowly. And anybody who has a rush factor, I'm actually like, wait a minute here. Like I got stuck. I don't want to say I got stuck with my pants down in 2020 with renovations that I underestimated a timeline got messed up with contractors not being able to go in, inspectors not inspecting, budgets going over budget. Like, you know, I learned all those lessons and was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to set myself up for unrealistic expectations anymore. But I had been putting those expectations out there like, oh, we'll have this refinanced in six months, says Mandy never right now, right? Like, because that's just an unrealistic expectation in 2022. And that word patience just kind of, you know, is uh, is one that I, when I look at a deal now, uh, an opportunity that I'll offer to an investor, somebody's like, I'm going to need my money back in six months. I'm like, you're probably not going to be an investor that is going to be in my portfolio. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of FOMO going on and that's what, you know, is driving up the market. Uh, like crazy. So, um, yeah, patience is definitely a virtue, uh, right now with, with the way our market is. Yeah. And again, like you said, sticking to your fundamentals, right. And not having that FOMO that he's talking about, because that FOMO is actually driving irrational behavior that is not in line with any fundamentals. Like Jose and I always look at these deals and we look at the price tag and we're like, what the heck? Like, how does that make any sense? Is there something that I'm missing? And he's like, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> it, it just, we can't seem to understand what's going on. But no, um, and you know, but five, like, think about the deals that you bought five years ago. You maybe you've updated your net worth statement. It's actually super fun to be able to do it in a while if you haven't in a while. And, you know, I had put what the value of those assets were set to be in five years. And I can barely change the numbers because they're so unrealistic, but, but they're true values from where they are rate, rate, rate now. But I never estimated when I bought these things that this is where the value of these assets are right now. So what if, what if that happens again? What if, but what if it doesn't? And what if that's not the point if it does it again or doesn't do it again? You're buying for the fundamentals today. You know, and I see a lot of new investors who are like, you know, celebrating N11s and kicking out tenants and things like that. And, and, and I mean, that's a investor celebration. But what if the, what if you buy a property and it works with the tenants that are in there? And if they never leave, that's okay. And if they leave, you're like, woohoo, bonus, right? And you're able to increase the rents, change over units. We've got one project right now. We had one unit turnover in the first year. And now in a matter of 30 days, we're going to have the other two units turnover. So it's a conversation with my JV partner, like kind of sucks. We're going to have to come up with, you know, 40 grand, 20,000 a unit to, to be able to renovate these. But the cool thing is both of them are going to go from a $650 rental rate to at least a thousand dollars. 
So, I mean, you know, you kind of take the good and the bad, but um, yeah. Yeah. I Maybe, uh, you know, for the, uh, for the listeners, um, share with us a little bit about your portfolio because you have several hundred units. I uh, can't even keep up. Um, and, and maybe, you know, you, you said you're start you're doing more larger multifamily now, but uh, what do they largely consist of currently? Yeah. So I probably, I have, uh, with the ones that we're selling, I think I have 104 properties, probably, you know, 350 units, um, with those properties. Majority of them are duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. Because I really, really, really can tell you that the residential financing that you can get for two to four units is quick, it's easy, it's 80% loan to value. That asset profile is easy to sell. It's, you know, um, it's nice because if one tenant doesn't pay, then the other one covers that expense. Um, So two to four units is genius to be able to attract partners on. Um, There's a lot of stock available for that. Um, And, you know, I looked at certain smaller residential communities. So Cornwall, Sudbury, you know, North Bay is a great unit. Windsor can be a great spot where you can still find legal units that are underperforming. So you're actually driving rents, not, you know, so small little burrs. That's what my portfolio was, is is massive uh, portion of it is small stuff still. I think I've got an eight unit, a 10 unit, a nine unit, this 25 unit, um, five, 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 six, six, six kind of thing. And then the rest are small, 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 small stuff. So that's, that's, it's a great place to start. I don't negate it. I know Mark Loeffler said that, you know, there it's, it's the highest ROI is these small little buildings because you yourself can, can, um, you know, put in the time, the effort, the, the improvements. Your financing typically is that 80% loan to value, really easier lenders. You've got a bigger choice of lenders. You know, the higher the units, the more the dollars, the the more capital you need, the more partners involved. So it gets a little bit intricate. I don't want to make it sound like it's it's not not doable to go bigger, but starting small is just, you know, a natural way to be able to build a portfolio, in my opinion. Yeah. And Mandy, when you structure your JVs on these deals, is there specifically a time frame that's associated with these? Like I know you mentioned you were selling some of your properties. Is it just um, sort of renewal or sell after a certain number of years? How Can you walk us through yeah, what that yeah, looks like? Yeah. Uh, great question. So uh, five years, we usually follow the term of the mortgage to start. So if it's a, you know, a three-year term, that's the term of the joint venture. Typically it's five years because you get some nice financing rates and um, at, at the five years. Um, or there's a clause in the joint venture that says if the value of the asset goes up by more than 25%, that the joint venture partners can have a discussion about um, should we sell, should we refinance? Like it kind of triggers a conversation for everybody to make sure, does this asset still work? Is this in line with your growth in your portfolio? Um, you know, I've got partners that are coming up to retirement or choosing to retire maybe a few years earlier. And so you were like, hey, do we refinance this two years early and keep it for another five years, which would now kind of put it at an eight-year joint venture? Or do we wait 
And then at the five-year mark, when maybe you don't qualify for a refinance and we choose to let it go, you know, in those kind of uh, timelines, I always look at my joint ventures and know that I want to be able to talk to somebody and have a conversation like, you know, friends, acquaintances on one side. And on the other end of the spectrum is a legal joint venture agreement. And I want to stay in the middle. I want to be able to have those conversations of, yep, the furnace is going. And that's kind of sucky, um, but we're going to have to repair it. Well, you know, somebody says, well, I can't afford it right now. I can't cover those costs. We go to the joint venture agreement for how do we deal with that? Um, You know, we've got one joint venture that um, wants out early. Well, you know, we can have a a normal conversation. I've got partners right now that are dealing with some issues with their with their child and going to have to send him to a private school. And so they said, like, you know, we've got three assets together and they're like, you know, we we are going to need to sell one to be able to keep uh, us ahead for a couple of years of his schooling. Like. The human in Mandy doesn't be like, no, you can't. Well, joint venture says you got to stay here for five years. You know, the human in Mandy was like, oh, my gosh, that'd be great for you and your family. Let me look over the assets. I'll get a market evaluation from all three of them. You go to the bank and collect, you know, mortgage def- uh, mortgage um, penalties, depending on which one we sell. And we'll come together and make a decision as to which one we put on the market. Like, you know, joint ventures don't have to be so rigid that you have to follow all the rules, although they're rigid enough that you know the rules are there in case there's a discrepancy. Um, and they're not all, you know, lovey-dovey, you know, we don't need an agreement because we're friends or family and, and you know, that's not the way we roll. This is all on a handshake. I really do encourage people to have a legal agreement for those silly little things that nobody kind of thought would be important, except when they are important. And then they've got them on paper to be able to go back to. Yeah. So, you know, with, with so many different uh, joint ventures that you've got going on, like, and in so many different emotions to deal with, uh, how do you control all of that and manage all of that? Uh, so I probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I, I mean, I can... I can acknowledge one of, you know, a joint venture that might have a risk tolerance that is, um, you know, that maybe she's nerve that they're nervous or I can tell when somebody is, has put themselves into a, you know, like they've bought in a bunch of assets and they're, they're, they're mortgaged more than they have been in the last 10 years. And you can kind of tell that there's some discussion going on between maybe in their relationship. And so they give a call to Mandy and I kind of get the brunt end of it. But as you can kind of tell, you know, I've got some big shoulders. I talk a lot about real estate. I'm a strategic investor. Um, You know, I have strategy behind this. I remove emotion out of a lot of our choices. And one of my conversation recently, the JV said, Mandy, you got to stop laughing. Like we're, we're seriously asking this question, but it was, it was a funny question to me. And I'm like, like, this is silly, right? They're being influenced by external factors. They're not thinking like a strategic investor. And it was just kind of like, um, it was, it was an unrealistic thing that they wanted out of these assets. And I'm like, like, it just doesn't work that way. Like, that's just not how we do it. We're strategic. This is how we go and cash flow and reserve funds and stuff like that. 
And so, you know, I don't control a lot. I, I get somebody comes at me or, you know, they're like, what's this out of the account? And, you know, like I put up my defenses sometimes to be like, oh, shit, what happened out of the account? You know, like, did I use the wrong account? Was there something that wasn't that 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 I didn't tell them about? Oh, my God. And then I just go straight to my systems, to my power team, to my bookkeeper. And, and I'm like, oh, that was the fridge. Remember, here's the email. We agreed to it. It was $919. And, and then everybody goes, oh, oh, I forgot the story about that. And I'm like, right. But in the moment, there's this like, you know, defense mechanism that kind of goes up to protect me. Um, and then, uh, and then we can resolve it from there, but it's been some hard conversations. That's for darn sure. Not going to pretend that, you know, it's all rosy. Um, but you know, uh, a lot of strategy around getting better refinances and higher loan to values. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely something that my partners have relied on me for. So I stay on the pulse of what lender and, you know, what's, what, where do we go to get the best financing that's available for that asset just things like that so i don't control i don't control everything uh-huh. <laughs> no because you know what dealing with people is i would say is is the most challenging aspect of in of of any business or just life in general you know yeah comparatively the the deal is easy right like it's all the emotions and all the the people stuff that that really and I think that I think for some people that's why they don't do joint ventures or they're afraid to do joint ventures from the other side of this right from investors who are starting out and people who are listening to the show um, people are scared of the responsibility that brings and the the emotion and all of that that you have to sort of because the property is is is, is going to have its ups and downs right and you know. Uh, you there's there's you can't control everything. You can't, yeah, you might have a flooding in one of the basements, right? Uh, like, there's going to be stuff that's going to go wrong. That's, yeah, that's it, a, that's a certainty. And in this market, tenants lose jobs. People don't pay rent sometimes. Like things happen, right? You know that. Um, things so. happen. I study human behavior. So I, uh, you know, one of my mentors is a John D. Martini, and he's a human behavioral specialist. So I study uh, human and how to listen to the question to be able to say, are they concerned that the tenant's not paying? Or are they concerned that it's going to cost them money soon? And so, you know, I listen to their, to my, to my joint ventures question. And then I know kind of based on my, my learnings as to how to address their, is that really the question that they're asking? Or are they laid off right now? Or are they maxed out and they might not have the ability to, um, to pay for that? Are they forgetting that the value of the asset has gone up by $100,000? And yet, you know, this is only another $3,000 furnace that we have to put in. So I listen and then just, you know, pull in the aspects um, based on what I, you know, maybe read through the lines a little bit. Um, This is the other interesting thing is a lot of people will say, how do I get rich? How do I, how can real estate help me get rich? And there's like, you know, a growth compound that if you're able to help yourself every day, that's super important. If you wake up and you help yourself and then you feed your family and your kids are happy and healthy, then now you've helped yourself and your family. 
if you can wake up every day and help yourself and your family and your community, yourself, your family, your community, maybe your nation, your con, you know, your, your province, your country, your state, right? Like, so I ask myself, how can I help an ever greater number of people change their financial trajectory through real estate? I don't wake up every day and say, how do I get myself to be a multimillionaire? How can Mandy make more money? Now, Zig Ziglar says, find a way to help the many for service to many leads to greatness. Doesn't say find a way to get yourself rich because if you're rich, everything's going to be good. It says find a way to help the many. And so I kind of take that in the same aspect when somebody says, well, I'm not sure if I want a joint venture. I get it. I really, really, really do. But you're not going to have Steve Jobs that says, how can I get everybody with, you know, a pocket, a computer in their pocket? He didn't wake up every day to say, how can I have a computer in my own pocket? He said, like, how can I do it and and spread it across the, the globe? Right. So your vision is very much determinant as to how much you're willing and able to handle of other people and of, you know, other people's questions and concerns and all this kind of stuff. If you want to help the many, you're going to have many kind of, you know, um, aspects of people that you will be dealing with. And so it's when somebody says, what's your why? If your why is about you, then good, because you're going to be looking after yourself. If your why is a global vision, Dealing with people is just a minor little thing that you're going to have to do all the time. Yeah. No, that's such a great, such uh, a good answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> so wise, Mandy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. It, it, when you look at it from the perspective of serving others, then things become a little bit easier in your life. Um, when you're selfish, um, you know, it things are a bit harder. I would say. Yeah, you, your, your purpose is it's different. It's not fulfilling. It's yeah. not as fulfilling, right? But you need to start with yourself, right? Like your my own mental health is of utmost importance because if I can't take care of myself, then I can't take care of every, you know, other people. Now, if all I care about is taking care of other people, but I've forgotten myself, Right. And it's kind of, you know, comes back to us as mothers too, to be able to say, you know, people like, well, I could never leave my children. And I'm like, well, actually, because I leave my children, I'm teaching them that mommy's education is just as important as theirs, that mommy, you know, needs time away, that mommy still grows. I mean, I'm saying mommy, my, my kids aren't little anymore, but they were along the way. And so it's important to be able to acknowledge that you um, that you can be a different version of who you were who you were five years ago right um, as you grow it, it yeah it's just you evolve to the next version of yourself but you can't forget the importance of the foundation of you your mental health your physical health all that kind of stuff too yeah, I know. And it's definitely a hard balance, especially when you're an entrepreneur, right? You can you can attest to that. I'm sure there was lots of... Um, you sound like you're in a very good place right now, but I'm sure it, there's been lots of ro- bumps in the road along the journey to get to where you are right now. Um, and it going back to that, you talked about a power team. Can you tell us a little bit about... I'm interested to know sort of what your role is in the organization primarily right now. Maybe walk us through what your days look like really and what that team looks like to enable you to be able to do that. 
Yeah. So the Mandy right now is I'm very much an asset manager. So I am making sure that the assets that we have are performing well, receiving rents, um, high level, have all of the end forms going out, that they're being managed well by the property managers, um, that the where are we on our on our renewal of mortgages? Where's a value for these assets to be able to share that with the partner? to say, hey, this is where the value of the asset is. We're eight months out from a refi. Let's make sure we're, you know, discussing these things ahead of time. And then we are, you know, I am uh, hiring and firing within my property management. We just hired a project management project manager into our construction company, into Larry's construction company. And, you know, like uh, I'm helping him to expand our clientele. So before it was just us and our renovations. And now we're like, how do we help an ever greater number of people and businesses within the community with our construction company and our systems that we've created? And, you know, just looking at, you know, the next level of investment opportunities. So my power team would be, so my bookkeeper is huge. I talk to her daily. She has come on to my team. So she's dedicated now just for us. So she's doing a lot of year end tax preparation that I'm assisting with minor little things out of bank accounts. What's this? What's that paperwork that we, you know, I might've stockpiled that I'm getting to her. I have an executive assistant who does a lot of coordination with joint ventures for, you know, documentation, utility bills that might be out of whack or, you know, got lost in the, the you know, the, the mail or whatever those issues are. Our team. So property management, uh, we own two property management companies. So I'm continuously making sure that they're, um, you know, dealing with vacancies as they need to be. We're implementing a new program called Rentify, um, which is a tenant screening um, process. So that's great. We're actually implementing a new property software, a property management software called Property Vista. So, you know, I'm a decision maker on a lot of that stuff to be able to continue to create more efficient systems for my for myself, which, of course, is for my property managers and my team. My real estate agent is a partner um, as well. So we we strategize on a very, very regular basis about what's going on in the market, what's next. Um, somebody on her team is who I sell majority of my assets with. Again, so I'm in communication with him often to be able to, you know, where is this property? When is this one due? Co- closing, things like that. My lawyer is massive on my power team. I probably talk to his, uh, to my legal, his legal secretary the most, making sure that, you know, any new JVs have themselves lined up. Any assets that we're selling are all lined up. Um, my accountant right now, I know I don't talk to her too much pre-tax season, but I know that in the background, she's doing a heck of a lot for us to be able to get us ready for our personal taxes. And then our corporate taxes will be six months after that. And, um, I would, oh, I've got, um, a project manager who is helping with, uh, we've got a real estate hustle club. It's not a coaching program. I can't say that I wanted to be a coach of real estate, but I'm like, you took all that information, you paid for that coach and you're still sitting there going, how do I grow? And so I look at it like my little hustle club is the action oriented side of it. So my project manager, Georgianne, she has been creating the, the go behind 
behind our hustle club and she does all of our regular emails out to our to our network of investors and so she's she's definitely an integral part of uh of my power team right now too. That's uh that's a crazy amount of That's uh, a big operation, Mandy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look at the smile though. <laughs> yeah, and you still you still look uh refreshed and 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 you're smiling. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh I'm I'm smiling cuz I have to tell you. So I'm we're getting a new couch. The only reason we're getting a new couch is because we gave all of our old furniture away. We're, we're furnishing five Airbnbs right now. And I was like, well, if we have to buy new furniture, we might as well buy new furniture for for us and give our old stuff to the Airbnbs, right? Like that's just one of the perks. Um, but I ordered a couch that's not going to be here for seven months. So I bought like this thing off of re- reduced aisle. And that's not the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I'm sitting here going, you know what? It's not something I need to worry about. I think this is actually a really, really, really important factor right now. You know, you heard the line, choose your battles. You can't fight every battle. Everything is not important enough. If you were to say, uh, you know, Steve Jobs and Zuckerberg, they all wore the same clothes every day because they it was one less decision that they truly had to make. If you have somebody within your relationship, like, what do you want for dinner? And they go, anything that you make is what I want. It's one less decision that they honestly have to put their brain power towards. Okay. And I find that that's a super, super important thing for high level business owners is that they can't make all the decisions. They don't want to make all the decisions. And so the decisions that they make are are a choice decision, that it's essential for them to be part of that decision-making process. But the other little shit is so not worth it. It's so not important. And you've got to just be able to go, that's not a decision I choose to make today. <laughs> yeah, like the wrong couch, right, Mandy? How long, how long do you got to sit on it? Seven months? Seven months. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll move it into another Airbnb because we're actually confirm, uh, transforming a lot of our units. Here's a cool little strategy. Um, a lot of our units that we that aren't renting well, or we seem to be attracting a, a clientele that is just like, why, why do we seem to attract these kind of people to this unit? Maybe it's, maybe it's the neighborhood. Maybe, you know, we, oh, you're buying in a trans transitional neighborhood, but you're a little early and it's still transitioning. So I'm finding that when I go in and we renovate some of our units, if we're not attracting who we want to attract, I convert it to a a long-term furnished rental. That way the tenant comes in, they they don't feel like they have to be there for a long time. I have less damage if they're moving in and moving out. And it's a different clientele who comes for a short-term for or for a short-term or long-term furnished rental. And so I'm actually furnishing quite a few units right now to be able to just take a breather. There's that patience word a little bit and attract a different clientele into my, into my properties. So. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And um, it, um, you know, so, uh, go ahead. yeah, no, I was going to say like, we could probably ask you like 10 more questions, but you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, we're, we're kind of coming to our, our time here. Jose, did you have something you wanted to ask? Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious to know if you have certain uh, morning routines or other Tips for our listeners. Um, I'm curious to know myself. Yeah, Mandy, how do you stay so motivated? Oh, I'm like actually at a really 
like unmotivated time right now. And I know maybe I'm not, you know, presenting that the same, but, you know, again, I want to share that, you know, that journey to success that we all think starts here and goes here, but you've got your ups and your downs and your ups and your downs. I'm in a down spot right now. Like I'm not waking up early. I'm not journaling the same. I mean, Thursday mornings are my, I love these mornings. I've got my hustle club. I've got, you know, I I chat with my team. So um, I, I am very connected to my spouse, to my family. I just had a weekend away, a mother son weekend. We went to the Leafs game that fills my heart, makes me happy. Um, you know, my daughter and I had a weekend, a couple weekends ago, we went to Ottawa that makes my heart happy. Uh, Larry and I were away for five weeks down to Florida that filled my heart, made me happy. So happiness is fleeting, right? Like you're happy one day and then the next day comes in and you get a bad appraisal, you get a shitty phone call you get us something. And so I think it's just really cool to be able to know that, you know, not every day is going to be the same. Um, Sometimes I'm super organized and I'll be up at five and I'm journaling and I love my Tony Robbins priming. But then there's weeks that I don't do that. And I get into a funk and I hop into the hot shower and go, this is going to wake me up. And then there's other times that we went on a skidoo ride the other afternoon and the sun is beaming down and I'm like gunning it on the skidoo. And I was like totally in my happy place. But as for a regular routine, there's not necessarily too, too much that's regular rate, rate, right now in 2022 in my oh, life. I can relate. And um, yeah, it's important to keep it real, right? Like, we're, no, not all of us do that. And not all of us are morning people. Um, and, you know, it was it's funny you say that because for years, Jose and I were so down on ourselves about that because, you know, they, they tell you that, right? Like in order to have, be optimally productive, you got to get up at 530 and you got to get a workout in and you got to drink this lemon water water and you got, you know, all this stuff right now that <laughs> you got three kids under five, you try forcing yourself up at five 30, you're going to have a miserable day. And you know, it's not always the same trajectory and it's not the same for everyone. So yeah, thanks for saying that. <laughs> That's the FOMO too, though, right? You're like, oh, but I'm probably missing out on something and maybe I should. And, you know, and then you're like, are those people still married? Are they divorced? Are they like, you know, there's all these different factors that you can kind of, you know, take into consideration as well. And and it's um, you can look at other people, I think, for like for just a bit of a check in. But it's also important to be able to know I'm glad that works for them, but it doesn't work for us. Yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. And so before we tie off for the day, you gave us so many good quotes already, but we like to ask our, our guests, is there a quote that you live by or something that resonates with your work or your life that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So Jim Rohn is a absolute mentor of mine. I can probably quote him for hours, but he said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And, you know, in our industry, our job is real estate and I love real estate. I will read about it, but I do work on me. I do take those skidoo rides, the walks with my dog, you know, a hot, beautiful cup of coffee in the morning. So work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And, um, and, you know, I, I think that's, that's definitely my, my go-to quote. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, no. And Mandy, I think that's so real because ultimately I think why you're successful is because people invest in you and you work hard on yourself. And um, that's just 
that just resonates everywhere. When we talk to you, your energy is just so beautiful. So I think that, yeah, I think that's great advice. That's a great quote. Yeah, this mm-hmm. has been a, a very uh, fruitful conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks so so much for your time. Yeah, so good getting to know you. Um, yeah, I, people want to reach out. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch? We'll put it in our show notes as well. Do you have uh, social media or a website or how do people reach out? Yeah. So mandybrenham.com is my website. They can go on there and get onto my email list that just kind of has a little bit of Mandy come straight to your email box. Um, I'm the JV queen at, um, on, on Instagram and uh, Facebook. I, you know, just my personal profile or um, I have the seven seven figure Canadian real estate investing group. It's a very relevant information to the Canadian investing market. And that's on Facebook. Facebook group, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. We'll put it in our show notes. So again, thanks, Mandy. We really had a great time talking to you today. That's awesome. Thanks for having me guys. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.